was a very famous house designer, builder and painter who um, required that he do all the parts of the creation of a house and he was very well known. He was very famous, he was very well revered. One particular day in a small town he was building one of his houses, one of his masterpieces. As he created this, and he would, um, he would put all the walls and everything in perfect uh, design and these, these houses were to be held, his reputation spanned far. And as he um, did this, he heard some kids walking by on the street. And as the kids came by, they started looking at this house and they were familiar with this uh, builder and painter. He had quite the reputation. And as a result, um, they knew that he couldn't be interrupted in his work. It was brilliant work, but they still admired what he was in the process of doing. And just then, the builder and painter looked across at these children and had a remarkable idea. He said to the kids, would you like to, to join me? Would you like to come and paint my house? The kids were thrilled, couldn't believe it. What a day. And so they went to him and he pulled out the paintbrushes and he got the paintbrushes out and he gave them each a pot of paint. He said, what paint would you like to choose? Kids sort of lit up some reds and pinks and yellows and purples and greens. And so they had their little pot filled and then they went to town on the house. They went to the house and they just painted everything in no uniformity, in no specific design. They just let the joy of painting and creating spill out of them and everything got painted. The walls up to about this high, the doors, the pavement, the grass, the garage doors, everything got painted and as they were doing this, other kids were walking by on their way home from school and they saw what was going on and the kids who were painting said, come in, come join us, the master has let us paint his house. And so with that, these older kids came in and by the end of that afternoon, the house was full of children just painting from top to bottom until this masterpiece of sorts was all completed and all finished. Then the parents, wondering where their children were, decided to, um, to go down the house, to go down the street and they looked at this house. It looked like a paint bomb had gone off. A paint factory just exploded. It was incredible. It was much like this. It was just a eclectic display of, of colours. They said, what have you done? What have you done? This is a disaster. You're, you're the master. You're meant to have these shows of perfection and this is the result in our neighbourhood. To which one of the kids jumped up and said, this is the master's house but it's also our house. Would you like to come in? It's a, it's a fable of the, peril of, the, of, the, of the hospitable nature of God. That he doesn't choose to not include us. That he invites us into his work so that we might invite others in. So that we might feel so at home in what God is doing in our lives that we might say to others, come and see. Come and be part of it. And some people are gifted to do that. They're gifted in two ways that we're going to talk about this morning. One is hospitality and the other is evangelism. And so we're going to start by talking about hospitality. There are some people who are just so gifted, they basically say, my life is yours, my home is yours and you know it. 
You don't need to be convinced verbally of it. You go around and you feel like, this could be my home. I feel so relaxed here. These people are so concerned, but in a way that's not obtrusive or not awkward, but welcoming and loving and caring. I think Jesus is such an example of this gift. I mean, if there was one person who walked this earth who was the epitome of hospitality, you'd have to say it was Jesus. He walked into Jericho one morning. There were crowds of people everywhere and across the courtyard and the crowds of people he saw a little man standing up a tree. Zacchaeus had climbed the tree to, to see this wonder maker, this, this miracle man. And as Zacchaeus is over there, Jesus starts making his beeline toward him and I imagine the crowds would have sort of slightly parted in anticipation for where this is going and where he's leading. And he goes up to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a tax collector. He's hated. He was known for stealing money off people and getting away with it. It was the legal way you stole money from people back in those days. And so Zacchaeus was shunned. He was always put to the thing. And now this miracle worker, this Jewish rabbi, this person who we know as the Messiah, comes to Zacchaeus and the crowd were excited because Jesus was finally going to put people like Zacchaeus back in his place. That's what was required. And what does Jesus do? The unthinkable. He's hospitable. Not hostile, but hospitable. And he says, let's go to your place for lunch. How does that sound? The the meal place was a, a level playing field. It was where status didn't exist. You only dined with people of your status. So him offering this to Zacchaeus is, is showing what the hospitality of God looks like. That God does that with us. God does that with every single person in Burley. He says, it doesn't matter all the things and the categories that you use to exclude each other or exclude yourselves or put up as barriers. I'm not interested. I'm coming to your place for dinner. What a wonderful heart Jesus shows. And if you have the gift of hospitality that's ringing in you at the moment, you're like, yes, that's what I want to do with my life. That's what I want my ministry to look like. Someone with the spiritual gift of hospitality draws others into their lives. Whether they're doing something or going somewhere or simply at home, they're drawing others in. We had a family when I was the minister down in Seymour in central Victoria, there was a family there who personified hospitality. It didn't matter who, they would always get an invite round for lunch. There were always people at their place, from the homeless to those who were socially really difficult that everybody else sort of went, oh, I'm going to stay back from. Our friends invited them in to the ostracised and the lonely. They always had foster kids buzzing around their lives, they were foster parents as well as having a couple of kids of their own. They were brilliant at it and they loved it. And those of us without the gift of hospitality went, how do you have the energy to do that all the time? But it's what brought them alive. It's a little bit about like Mary and Martha. Remember that story? It's Martha's house and she invites Jesus round and Jesus comes round. What a wonderful display of hospitality she offers and as she's there, she's so, so worried and anxious that everything be just right, as we can understand, right? And so she's in the kitchen preparing, and as she's doing this, 
she glances across the living room and sees Mary, who was in it with her, sitting with Jesus, just chatting. The nerve of her. There are so many things to do to make this perfect. And there's Mary, being lazy again. And as this tension starts to grow, Jesus intervenes. He says, Martha, no, 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 come and enjoy the relationship and the moment. It's not about the perfection of everything. It's about the exchange of friendship and love. Come and be part of this. And so we see Jesus kind of realign Martha's understanding of what hospitality is. Someone with the spiritual gift of hospitality values people so deeply. He says, come and be part of this. This will benefit you because this is where God is. And so some of you would say, I'm not an evangelist, but it's really important I invite people to church. It's really in people that I invite people to the friendship club or Bible study or to come around for dinner. That's the gift of hospitality. That is a wonderful gift. It's a gift that uses that the church uses to grow. Someone who has the gift of hospitality, they, they love to entertain, not on a stage with a microphone, but they love to say, come round, I'm just going to cook whatever's in the fridge or the thing. Or they go out and they'll say, let's make something special and invite people to be part of this. They always seem timely with their invite. They always seem to know the right moment and the right invite to give to the right person. The guest list, if you looked at their guest list over a number of months, it would be expansive and inclusive. It wouldn't be exclusive, it wouldn't be just all the same people. Someone with the spiritual gift of hospitality would connect with people of all walks of life and say, come be part of this. And their heart is to cultivate belonging. They just want people to belong to the kingdom and belong to Jesus. Now, for someone with this gift, one of the dangers is, is the same danger that's there for all of us, is that we can withhold our hospitality. We can withhold it back. And we do that for a number of reasons. Sometimes we're hurt. So we say, I'm not, I'm not going to have people come around again because I've been used previously or I don't like people, or people have been harmful to me. Sometimes we're scared. What if I invite this person and they say no? Or maybe worse, what if I invite this person and they say yes? Sometimes it's because we're lazy. Nah, I can't be bothered. Sometimes it's because we're the opposite. We're too busy. Where, where is the space for this? This is the challenge that Lyndall and I are facing in this season of our lives. We need to create space in our lives to enjoy people, to be hospitable to people. So the danger here is that you go, oh, I don't have the gift of hospitality so I don't need to be hospitable to anyone. This is the best morning ever. But that's not the case. Remember a few weeks ago I talked about Regardless of the gift, we all have that service to do, but there are some people that are uniquely spiritually gifted to be able to do that and that's their sweet spot. They should be leaning into that. But all of us need to be hospitable. And so last night, Lyndall and I, the problem, the problem with preaching is God preaches to you first through it before you get to preach to others. It's not fun. 
And so we have been wrestling with this, how do we make our lives more hospitable? Like we're very busy, but that cannot be an excuse. It cannot rob people of what God is wanting to do. So how do we do that? So last night, on a night that I would have preferred to have done nothing at all, we invited our neighbour over. He lives two up, two doors down from us. He's just sort of moved in. Top bloke, we invited him round and he was just stoked that somebody, a family would just say, hey, you've moved to the neighbourhood, come and have dinner with us. And it was nothing special. We cooked up this chicken and as he was cooking, he brought round some lamb. I'm like, oh, this is a good move. <laughs> yep, we'll stick that on the barbie. And we, we had a great time. And I, I was reflecting on that, that there is something of God's kingdom that unfolds in that that we miss out on when we're too scared or too busy or too tired or too hurt that we go, I can't anymore. But that very thing is the thing that God wants us to be part of. So be encouraged into that. Be encouraged into hospitality and be encouraged that if it is your gift, this church needs you to be hospitable. Invite people into the life of our church. Invite people into your home. Invite people out to coffee, into whatever space is comfortable for you. Step more and more into that gift because God has gifted us that that may be an effective expression of helping people come to know him. Alright, that's the gift of hospitality. Now to the fun one. The one nobody really wants to talk about. My favourite one. Ready? Evangelism. Let's talk about evangelism. You may or may not have worked out by now that this is probably a gift I have. I love talking to people who don't know Jesus about Jesus. I love it. I always have. I think it's just thrilling and exciting and kind of sometimes awkward and challenging. But I have discovered that evangelism is about two things. And we won't spend a lot of time talking about this today, but I hope this helps all of you. It's about knowing why you love Jesus and sharing that. And the answer to that is one word. And it might change. My word at the moment is restoration. I love Jesus because he restores everything. And so I can talk to people about Jesus just by remembering that one word. And the second word is it's more about the questions you ask than having the right things to say. You let people do all the talking. So on Thursday afternoons we have a fitness group that that the church council before Village and and Billy Uniting were connected when we were just sort of using um, sharing a property. The church council here said, yep, for your exercise class we'll waive the fee. And so that exercise class is a mixture of people who are Christians and people who aren't. It's very missional. And on Thursday night one of my mates who goes says to me, and she's not a Christian, she says to me, have you seen the show The Good Life? Now, For those of you that haven't seen the show, it's on Netflix, it's on popular television and it's all about the afterlife. So to cut a long seasons short, they think they're in the good place, it's actually the bad place and they end up in the good place. And so Laurie's telling me about this and she's three episodes short of watching the whole thing. But I've watched the whole thing. And so in this conversation, what you realise as it comes to the end, you realise um, that you, uh, in, in paradise, in heaven, you have everything you ever wanted. And see, she's reflecting on that and saying, isn't it wonderful? And I said to her, what's fascinating is what do you do, Laurie, when everything you've ever wanted becomes boring? What do you do then? It's a question, right? And she says, oh, never thought about that. 
I said, well, that's what happens in the show. It's really cool. Do you know what happens as it goes on? She's like, no. I said, well, I won't, I won't spoil it, but what they realise is without God being uh, the object of our love, when we are the object of our love, it, it becomes fruitless and pointless. But when God is the object of our love, it stirs us forward, it always gives us purpose. And then I said, do you ever, do you ever feel like that? When you, when you help someone and it gives you a sense of experience that you can't get anywhere else. She's like, wow, I'd never, I'd never thought about that. So we have the benefit of seeing them every week. This is a conversation that rolls on, but it's questions. It's just questions. We see that in Philip's life. Um, he, he, uh, he lived life with the question of what now, God? And God responded. He said, well, when you're, I'm going to put you on this road and when you see this chariot coming, that's what you need to pay attention to. And so, oh, the wind's making a, making a go of it this morning, isn't it? <clears throat> so, he's walking along the road and a chariot comes past and God says to him, go to that chariot. Which is a really strange request. It was Ethiopian for a start. It wasn't Jewish. It was royalty. Like it wasn't somewhere that you would just um, you would you would walk up to. It was unfamiliar. There were all the reasons why Philip should not engage in this bizarre, strange unfolding. But God calls us into the bizarre. He calls us into the strange. When you say yes, I'm a Christian, God says, "Great, this is going to be really weird, and you're going to love it." I'll give you an example. We're driving. I was driving into Burley one morning. Um, and I was thinking, into my head popped the name of a friend who I hadn't seen in a long time. And I was wondering how they were doing. I went in, I had coffee and did some work at a, uh, at a table and halfway through that, that work I had a distinct impression from God that I should finish up and walk around Burley. Like that's really helpful God, super specific there. Right, okay, sure. So I did, closed my laptop, and I'm walking through Burley and I'm, I'm looking like most of you, I'm like, I don't know why I'm doing this. <laughs> Should I be looking for something or doing something or just wandering? And no kidding, I look across the park and he's standing there, the guy that I was thinking of, in the car. This is crazy. And so I go up to him and I say, hey, how you doing? And we connect and we have a chat. And the, the conversation goes quite deep, quite quick. And in the course of that he goes, I'm so glad I bumped into you. I'm feeling like I don't have any friends at the moment. And then you come along. I say, well, funny you should say that. Let me tell you about what happened for me to bump into you today. You see, God cares and loves you. And as a result, we've got a friendship. It's been amazing. And it's still ongoing and it's regular. The spiritual gift of evangelism, it draws you into the orbits and the lives of people you don't know who don't know Jesus to be Jesus there. And for some of you, this will like, oh, that makes me alive. For some of you, it will be absolutely terrifying. One, you don't need to be terrified. But those of you that it stirs, step more and more into that gift, just like Philip does. Philip steps in, then Philip, he, he didn't just walk, he ran to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. And this is the key. What does he do? What does Philip do when he's right there? He asks a question. Do you understand what you're reading? 
It's a brilliant question because the Ethiopian had no idea what he was reading. The fact that he had a scroll of Isaiah means he was from a very, very wealthy um, estate. But he creates this openness. He shows humility. He doesn't come in saying, I need to know all the answers. He comes in saying, teach me, let's, let's talk. And what he does is he creates space for the Holy Spirit to speak. Christine Kane talks about her daughter going into Walmart, and picking up a torch and turning it on in the middle of Walmart and playing with it and then saying to her mum, Mum, we need to go find some darkness to shine the torch into. How cool is that? That's, that's what we have, our questions. It's, it's, God says, I've, I've armed you with these questions. My spirit is with you. Go find some darkness to shine the light into. That's what we get to do on a daily basis. I had the amazing opportunity the other afternoon. I was involved with a PD of a, uh, there was a community group that invited me to be part of the training. And we were sitting there and being part of this. I was next to, um, to a lady who a friend came up to her and asked her about her sister. And it was, the, the news was quite grave. Um, she said, it's not good and not looking good, but very vague. And so the friend moved away. And then I said to, to the lady who I'd just met, I said, um, is, is your sister sick? And she said, oh yeah, she's quite sick. I said, how sick is she? And she proceeded to tell me and she was very, very sick. And then, um, and then she said, have you been involved in palliative care before? I said, actually I have. She goes, oh, is it a family member? I said, oh yes, but also I'm a minister. Uh, part of my life is spent in that space. You had this, there was this sense of her going, oh, there, there's some strength and support here. And she asked me some questions about it and I asked her some questions about how she was coping with it all. And we ended the conversation, I, I said to her, and, and it was quite strange because I wouldn't normally do this, but it just felt like this, this is how the gift works. So I, I said, you know, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for your sister. And I don't want you to think that me praying means it's all going to be a happy ending, but God is with you and God loves you. And if you need to chat, like you can get my number through here, please do that, like if I can be a, a support to you in this space. The spiritual gift, it, it does that, it calls us into these places, it equips us with things. So Philip says, do you know what you've been reading? He says, how can I understand unless there's someone to explain it? And Philip's like, <laughs> What do you know? I can do that. And so he jumps in and they have this amazing conversation that ends up with him getting baptised. See, people are thinking the wrong questions in life. How do I get by? How do I get enough money? Have I got enough toilet paper? <laughs> I don't get it either. <laughs> are my kids safe? What life is my direction life? And God wants to change those questions to questions that he wants to answer. Questions, and, and when we interject our questions into that, it helps people go, there's a different set of questions I could be asking that lead me to God. And so be empowered, be encouraged today. It's just about questions. When you find yourself in a conversation, whether it's in the supermarket line, or with a friend that you've known forever, or with your neighbour, or with someone you're just connecting with, who you know isn't in a really secure place with God. Just, God, what question might I ask that would help? 
What question does your spirit want me to convey that enables them to see what Jesus has done for them? Because if they can name it, if you ask the question and they can name it, it will mean so much more to them for so much longer than if you say it. So you don't need the right answers. You just need to engage with the right questions. Let's pray. Loving God, you brought so much love and beauty and goodness into this world through your life. You redeemed us and restored us in ways that we can only imagine and yet there are people who are missing out on that. There are people who are hurting because they don't know you and they don't know how to know you except by our testimony, except by our one word, except by our questions and our availability. And so Lord, lead us this week to be the hospitable to those who need it to share your love and your grace through questions to those who need it and to step into the giftings that you've given us, Lord. So we pray these things in your almighty name. Amen.